1: I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Welcome to episode
0: 91 of the Talking Fires podcast. Your host, Ben Fadden, here today with a special guest. Former Padre Tyson Ross. Tyson, thanks for hopping on.
2: Hey, Ben, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. So, first question uh, let's just kind of update everyone on where you are at with your career. Are you still, uh, you know, just staying in shape, getting, keeping the arm ready, and have teams uh, been in contact with you at all?
2: Uh, Yeah. I'm hoping to pitch in 2022. Uh, You know, the last two seasons I went to spring training Uh, in 2020, I opted out uh, with COVID and everything happening. And then last spring I was with the Rangers, didn't make the team and ended up being at home all year. So I'm looking forward to, you know, getting an opportunity to pitch somewhere in 2022, you know, I'll do whatever role, you know, comes my way. And, uh, you know, I'd love to get back on the mound.
0: Yeah, perfect. Yeah, I'd definitely love to see you. Um, So next question here, everyone kind of dreams of, you know, one day pitching in the big leagues or playing in the big leagues, whatever position they are. And when you finally got to do that, can you kind of explain how, your, what what you were kind of feeling you know in those moments unless if you remember it
2: yeah yeah definitely I mean ever since I can remember I, I was playing the game of baseball and I always wanted to be a big league player and uh, you know I grew up in Oakland California and actually debuted for the Oakland A's at, when I was about 22 years old so you know growing up I wanted to be a shortstop like every kid and you know I loved hitting and I found out how hard it is to actually hit really good pitching so uh, you know, luckily I, I was able to develop uh, as a college player and, and became a pretty good pitcher and got got an opportunity to go pro for my hometown team. And yeah, I mean, I had, I think the situation of, uh, you know, making my debut at home in the Oakland Coliseum was pretty special. And, you know, the, the moment didn't really hit me until I heard, I heard Ray King, that, you know, famous announcer, you know, saying now making his major league debut, Tyson Ross, and then I got goosebumps and got nerves all at once. And, you know, I had to had to kind of shake it off real quick because I had a couple of big leaguers up there at the plate trying to, trying to hit a homer off me. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of nerves that, that happen in the moment. And, you know, it was pretty special to be able to debut at home in a stadium that, you know, I'd seen countless games at as a kid.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, like you mentioned, you started with Oakland, but then you were traded uh, to the Padres in 2012. What kind of were your feelings when that happened that, you know, the team that you debuted with? I know that some Players probably hope that they were with one team their whole career, but obviously, you know, it's a business and all that. What were your feelings like? Were you excited to come to the Padres, or because I had Clayton Richard on, uh I think last month, and he was kind of like that—he was actually surprised by his trade to the Padres from Chicago. So, kind of, what were your feelings?
2: Yeah, when I was traded to the Padres after that 2012 season, uh, I was super, super happy. You know, my brother had been a first-round pick by the pods out of high school in 2011. So he was already in the organization, uh, you know, despite pitching at home for the hometown team, you know, my career didn't get off to the greatest start. And I kind of was looking for a fresh start somewhere else, uh, you know, with a team that really believed in me. And, and, you know, that trade for the Padres happened at the exact perfect time for me and getting down there in 2013 and pitching for Bud Black and having, you know, Darren Balls as my pitching coach. That was the difference in my career. And, you know, I was really fortunate for that to happen when it did. Mm-hmm.
0: Now you mentioned Balsley. Um I've met him, I think, once. What has he what or what did he kind of teach you? What kind of was it certain pitches or just your windup? What were things uh that he helped you with that you thought you know really helped uh you know develop you?
2: Uh, you know, Balsley's just the best pitching coach I've ever had, hands down. You know, he's a he's a great communicator. He he has a really good visual eye for things. And then when he talks to you as a pitcher, he gives you one little simple cue, you know, whether it's, hey, you know, lift your leg athletically or something that that sinks a lot of things up. And a lot of good things happen from a really simple cue that, you know, from the outside looking in, you'd be like, that That sounds dumb. That wouldn't really make a big difference. But, you know, he can see something, know what needs to change, and then make it really simple for the pitcher to execute on that next pitch and feel good about it. So, you know, I was fortunate to have Ballsy for those years. Uh, You know, we're still close. I talk to him all the time. And. Um, you know, he's just a, a special person in the game of baseball.
0: What is, uh, if you're comfortable sharing, what is Darren kind of up to now? I know that because it, it just wasn't totally clear when he left as pitching coach. And I think he stayed in the organization for one year. What is he up to now?
2: Uh, he's back home in Tennessee. I think he's still looking to, you know, be a pitching coach somewhere. And I know, you know, any team that hires him will be lucky to have him. Uh, you yeah. know, he's got, he got a proven track record of working with a lot of guys. Uh, you know, having a, a lot of great pitchers. I mean, when you have Greg Maddox to give you a shout out in his Hall of Fame speech, you know, that doesn't happen for no reason. Yeah, so, exactly. I mean, I mean, he's got Hall of Famers. He's got guys like like me or Brad Hand or Kirby Yates who, you know, we were on a second or third team and he gave us a shot and kind of unlocked something in us and turned us into all-stars. So, you know, he can work with all kinds of pitchers and, and you know, hopefully he gets a chance to get out there and, and help some more guys like me along the way.
0: Right. Um, in 2014, you made the all-star game, you know, at target field. What was that experience like? I know it was Jeter's last all-star game. What kind of were those, what's, I, I'll say this, what's what was the best moment of that whole experience?
2: Uh, yeah, that 2014 all-star game was really cool. Uh, I think the coolest moment of, of that was, you know, being on the line as they were announcing the, the rosters and just hearing all the names called and all the guys i watched play my whole life or played against and competed against at the highest level. And, you know, knowing that I had earned that right to be, you know, amongst them as as, all, as an all-star in that season. And then, um, you know, just watching the game, you know, from the dugout, I actually pitched that Sunday before against the Dodgers. So I wasn't eligible to pitch, but, you know, that was the highest caliber baseball game I've ever seen. I think Mike Trout might've let off with a home run or something crazy. And, you know, it was just a clean crisp game from the first pitch to the last out and, you know, when you're when you're a player in the big leagues, you know what good baseball looks like, and that was extremely, extremely good baseball.
0: Yeah, I think Trout tripled, I think off Wainwright, if I remember correctly, to start that. But uh, okay, yeah, just yeah. an
2: extra base hit at some, somewhere. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you were on that 2015 team, you know, with the whole Rockstar GM and AJ and all the additions, and then, but obviously, the season didn't end up the way that you know, fans wanted it to, you guys wanted it to, can you pinpoint one reason why that didn't happen or was it maybe some clubhouse chemistry or just things just didn't fall the way uh, things were planned?
2: Uh, Yeah. I mean, sometimes that's, those are just the breaks, you know, I I can think back to, we had a series against the Dodgers in April and I think uh, maybe Justin Upton hit a ball to dead center that looked looked like it was going to be a a walk-off home run and, I forget who was playing center at the time, but they jumped up and robbed it at the wall and, you know, just kind of those, those little baseball's a game of inches sometimes. And, you know, a couple inches more, you know, maybe we take a series from the Dodgers in early April or May there with a walk-off homer and and get hot and, you know, roll from there. But, you know, it it was cool to see, uh, you know, AJ come in, invest in the team, you know, bring in names like Upton, Kemp, Kimbrel, all these guys and really bring a lot of excitement to San Diego uh, you know, when I first got there, my first couple of years, we were kind of always the underdogs, you know, fight fighting to be scrappy. And, you know, a lot of no name players fighting against the the Dodgers and Giants with the big name guys. So, you know, it's it's cool to see looking at what the Padres have done recently, you know, to know that it all kind of started back in 2015 when AJ came in, took the reins and started going after some guys and trying to change, you know, the, the image of the Padres.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, in 2016, uh, that next year, you were named the opening day starter. Uh, that was the first game that my family had season tickets and so we were totally excited and jacked up for that game to see you pitch but then obviously got hurt uh, and that ended up being I believe right your only game of the year Um, how how disappointing was that but were you at least able to enjoy the kind of lead up to that opening day start
2: Uh, yeah I mean that game had a a lot of emotions for me I kind of knew my shoulder was banged up for a while and you know, I was pitching through it, hoping, hoping, you know, sometimes, sometimes just a little bit of adrenaline and, and things, you know, once you get up to game speed, feel better. But uh, yeah, I mean, I was nervous coming into that game because I knew my shoulder wasn't feeling right. And, uh, you know, unfortunately things went sideways real quick and and it, a- it ended up being my last start, you know, for the Padres that year. And, uh, you know, it was, it was just tough. I mean, you know, i would worked really hard over the previous, you know, three, four seasons with the Padres to be able to put myself in a position to be named opening day starter. And, and, you know, I had a, you know, a big, a big role for that team for that upcoming year. And unfortunately I was hurt and I knew I couldn't do anything about it. And, you know, it, it sucks looking back on it. I was really happy that, you know, even though I lost that year in 16, had to have surgery, I was able to come back in 2018 and, and pitch, you know, a bunch of games for the Padres back at Petco, because, you know, I love playing for the Padres. I love that stadium. I love those fans. And, You know, I was really disappointed in myself and and just kind of what had happened with the injury, and I didn't want to go out on that sour note because, you know, being a Padre really meant a lot to me.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, You were – now, I kind of wanted to get one of your teammates in here. Matt Kemp, he uh, he had a reputation – I don't know reputation, but there have been, you know, reports about him not being the best teammate or whatnot, but I wanted to get your point of view of the kind of person he is And if he was able to help, you know, younger hitters with his time in San Diego and kind of the impact that you saw uh, that a lot of fans didn't see uh, that Matt Kemp had.
2: Yeah, I was I was thrilled when we brought Kemp in, Uh, you know, reports in the media, all that stuff. That's that's, you know, an exterior view on things. But I got to see the way that he works day in and day out. And, you know, when you have a, a superstar like that come to your team, it makes everyone else better. So. You know, I know when he was sitting in the cage, when he was taking BP before the game, he was making guys better by putting in the work he does and, you know, talking, hitting with people. So, you know, you know the Matt Camp you don't get to see is, you know, he's a family man. You know, his mom's at almost every single game. And, uh, you know, I got a lot of respect for for him as a player and as a person.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, moving on more to the current uh, game, you kind of mentioned, you know, Darren Balsley and the help that he had with you what are your thoughts kind of on the current pitching coach and the evolution of pitching all the analytics and at spring training and in bullpens, you see, you know, the track man and all of the technology, how have you utilized that? And do you view that as a benefit? Or do you think that maybe the technology is, you know, went into the game too much, if that makes sense?
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just the evolution of things, right? It's uh. You know, the baseball teams now, all the clubs and organizations, what they're trying to do is they're trying to evaluate talent. And, you know, back in the day, it used to just be the eyeball test. And then you had to, you know, you had to watch guys play. You had to listen to how hitters talked about how how hard it was for them to, uh, you know, see the pitch coming in or get a hit or whatever it may be. But now they have the technology available to them to kind of look at the metrics of what makes, you know, Craig Kimbrell hard to hit. You know, why is his fastball – uh, blowing by guys at 97 when other guys get hit and they can look at the different metrics, whether it's, you know, uh, you know, uh, vertical rise on a fastball, horizontal movement, things like that spin rate. And, you know, they basically have a map now of, you know, what pitches are really hard to hit and they can just kind of evaluate everyone, every bullpen where, you know, in the past it used to be, yeah, he looks good in the bullpen. He's got control of his body. He's throwing strikes. springer ball looks good. Let's see how it plays in the game. You know, now every bullpen they have the ability to measure those metrics and and say, okay, this guy, these three guys are in this group. They have the the A plus stuff that'll play at the big league level. These guys need to work on it, and I think it just kind of helps them evaluate talent. You know, as a player, especially an older player now, you know, I'm 34 years old, and in, in a bullpen, I'm not ripping on fastballs. I'm trying to I'm trying to get a feel for things, and so. You know, it kind of kind of makes you have to up that competitive edge in the bullpen because, you know, what they're trying to evaluate is different than what it used to be in the past.
0: Right. Um, Moving kind of to the current CBA negotiations between the players and the league. What are your thoughts on those negotiations? Uh, have you or I guess what's kind of your mindset with the players view? Like the, I know that the players and do you agree with it? I guess the players, you know, they want more years of arbitration. So the players get, you know, more money based on, you know, their play and they want free agency one year earlier. What are your thoughts on the player's uh, viewpoint in these lockout negotiations? Uh,
2: Yeah. I mean, I got to apologize because I haven't been up on, on all the negotiations. I've been, I've been busy. Uh, You know, I got a newborn at home, but I will say this uh, you know, our whole lives as players, all we wanted to do is play baseball you know, we, we want to do it fairly and, and you know be compensated appropriately for it. But at the end of the day, like like we just want to play ball and, and let us do our thing out there.
0: Mm-hmm, exactly. Um, do you have interest uh, once your career is over in you know coaching or a front office position or a pitching coach? I know you just had a baby, uh, but what are what are your do you have any post career baseball interests?
2: Yeah. uh, You know, I I would be open to working for a team. I I love player development. You know, one of the things I've really um, enjoyed about my process as a player is is how I've developed over the years and changed my training techniques and changed my mindset a little bit. And, you know, I'd like to help other people navigate that. I've been doing some lessons for local kids, you know, for free. I've started a a, a charity at home in Oakland uh, called Loyal to My Soil, where I put on free clinics for inner city youth and just try and grow the game of baseball in Oakland and, you know, give access to play the game to a lot of kids that can't afford it. So I've got a lot of interest around in and around baseball and, you know, I'm sure I'll be involved with it when my playing days are over.
0: That's awesome. Um, last question. Thank you for the time. Um, you got, I I assume you got to know AJ Preller a little bit, uh, with your time with San Diego, what is he kind of like, you know, behind the scenes, uh, in interactions with players, pregame, game post-game, spring training? Uh, and what what do you like most about him?
2: Yeah, AJ is super smart. It's uh, it's pretty incredible to be around someone like that because I, I try and tend to think I'm a pretty intelligent guy. You know, I'm, I'm working on finishing my degree at Cal Berkeley right now, but AJ is on another level. You know, he, it's like he has two brains almost, the amount of stuff that he can process, the way he can think ahead and, and you know, have so many moving pieces that, at once, you know, maybe I'm thinking in terms of checkers and he's thinking in terms of chess. I mean, that's the best way I can put it.
0: Mm -hmm. All right, Tyson, this has been fun. Thank you so much uh, for coming on. This has been episode 91 of the Talking Fires podcast. Uh, Until next time, everyone, let's go Padres.